0: If your Bible can stand with me. Colossians chapter 3. Your Bible should fall open there. We've been for so long there now. Verse 8 and 9. Colossians 3 verses 8 and 9. If you're there yet, say Amen. Alright. The Bible says, but now. How many know if there's a now, there had to be a then? But now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Father, we love you today. And we're here for one purpose, and that's to worship and glorify you. I pray, God, that we will bring our gift of sacrifice to you this morning. And Lord, give it to you the joy, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Jesse mentioned in his introductory verse this morning, all of us have been affected by sin. We read in Sunday School from 1 Corinthians of a list of things that if people continue and they will never see the kingdom of God. And then Paul says, such were some of you. I'm real glad that God brought you out. And so sin has affected all of us. And none of us, none of us live up to what God created us to be. The Bible reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the tense of the verb in the original language means we continually fall short of the glory of God. I don't watch uh, too many TV preachers. Uh, We don't have cable TV, and if that's what you got, that's fine. But I've seen a few through the years, and uh, you would think that, boy, God is so blessed to have them. But I want you to know something, folks. If Jesus would come walking through those doors today, everyone would hit the floor. We would crawl to him, thanking him for his grace. Because sin has affected all of us. And it's only when we begin to really get a hold of that with our heart, with our mind, and our soul, we are ready to respond to why Jesus came Into our world. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad He did. He came to seek and to save those who were lost, and thank God He found me. How about you? So Jesus came. He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. They crucified Him. He died. And on the third day, He raised from the grave. And Jesus did that specifically so you and I could return to God's original plan for us. And the moment we were saved, the moment we confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, a brand new relationship with God was established. And the Bible says, but now... But now, we're to live differently than we used to live. So the question I had to ask myself, and I questioned early on in my Christian walk, and really before I got saved, because I wanted to be saved, but I thought, Lord, there's no way I could live a Christian life. But the good news is, Paul says to put off these things... And my question was, how am I supposed to do that knowing how weak I am in the flesh? Well, one of the things that happens to us, one of the things that involved in our walk with Christ is that we now live by the Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that Jesus told the disciples, when I go away, I will send another And that word another means another of the same kind. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now we're working our way through a list of things in Colossians chapter 3. That Paul says to mortify, says to put off of our lives. So how in the world am I going to do that? I do that by living by the Spirit. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, God sent the Holy Spirit, to live within us after Jesus returned back to heaven. And the Holy Spirit comforts us. He guides us to His truth. And He reminds us of what Jesus said. And He points out what to do, what not to do. He gives us the right words to say. And He gives us a power to live a life pleasing to God. A power in our lives to put off those things the Bible says we're to put off. So what does He do? Number one, the Spirit of God marks the beginning of our new experience with Christ. The day you were saved. The spirit of God moved into your life. We cannot be saved without uh, without the spirit. We cannot be united to Christ without the spirit. And we cannot be adopted as children of God without the spirit. And we cannot be in the body of Christ except by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, that is not a separate act of grace that happened the moment you were saved. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The second thing the spirit does he provides power for our new life in Christ. Thank God we don 't walk along and and he He begins a a lifelong process. To make us more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we receive Christ by faith, at that point on, we we begin an immediate, personal relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit now works in us. You can't do it on your own to become more like Christ. The third thing the Holy Spirit does, it unites us with other believers. Thank God for that. Now, the Bible says, first of all, we're to walk in the Spirit. And the idea here is, in the original language, to by the Spirit, we keep on walking. I have a confession to make. I don't want to try to walk without the Spirit. Every time I do, I mess up. I need to keep on walking. By the Spirit walking. Now, of course, walking means to live by the Spirit. It means to obey the Spirit. It emphasizes a moment-by-moment contact with the Holy Spirit, being guided by the Spirit uh, every day for every decision we'll ever make. Walk by the Spirit. And so living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, it has to be a daily, continuous action for you and I if we're going to put off those things that Paul said we're to put off. Now, understand something, folks. Remember, the day you got saved, the God of the universe took up residence inside of you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So He's always present. But we must stay in touch with Him. And we must stay open to his correction, to his guidance, and yes, even to his conviction in our lives. And we live the Christian life by the Spirit. He's the one who gives you and I the power to do what God expects from our life. We cannot do it on our own. And again, the idea is to keep on living. It's a continuous action. Keep on walking by the Spirit. And if we do, we become more and more like Christ. So Paul says, if we walk in the Spirit, the great news is, the result is, we will not gratify the desires of our sinful flesh. Can I give you some Good news and some bad news. If you're born again, if you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. That's the good news. The bad news is, now that we are believers, our sinful nature still exists. In my life and in your life. But God says, He asks us, To place our sinful nature, that old sinful nature, and put it under the control of the Holy Spirit. And allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives so our sinful nature might be transformed. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Being born again is not joining a church. Being born again is not being baptized. All those are important, and we ought to do those things. Being born again is a supernatural process. We are born from above. And we have to understand that this old sinful nature is still there, but we have to put it under the control of the Holy Spirit that He can transform my sinful nature. And I want you to realize that in itself is a spiritual process. And church, whatever you do, whatever we do, never underestimate the power of our sinful nature. Never underestimate that. And we must never try to fight our sinful nature on our own. Because if you do, if I do, we will fail every time. If you don't know it by now... Satan is a crafty tempter. But also, you and I, we have the limitless ability to make excuses. Isn't that true? So yes, Satan is real. But we are profound at making excuses. So rather than trying to overcome sin by our own willpower, The Bible says we have to take advantage of the tremendous power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And so if we're going to overcome, if we're going to mortify the deeds of the flesh, if we're going to put those things off, we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. So now that I'm saved. Now that I've been born again, my approach to life must now be completely different than what it used to be. But now. But now. I look to the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit begins to develop in me the desire, gives me the strength to walk according to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that being said, in Colossians 3, the Bible describes for us a different kind of life. Now, I can't speak for you, but I know how I used to be, and I don't want to be that way anymore. I don't like the old self. I want my life to be different. I want my life to count for God. I want my life to impact other lives for eternity. So the Bible says in Colossians 3, their old lives are always die. Our new life is hidden with Christ in God. Our new life brings about a whole new desire. I now have a desire to be like Christ. I have a desire to please him. I want to walk with him. And now that I am saved, now that I'm born again, I have a responsibility to change and put off Put to death my old man. I have to put off that old nature. We looked at verse 5. Paul said, mortify those things. In verse 7 Colossians 3, we talked about our past life. We were all there. But those sins should not mark our life today. Those are sins of unbelievers. And then we began a week or so ago in verses 8 and 9, where Paul said, but now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. How many know the day you got saved, you were declared righteous? How many know the day you were saved, you were justified? The very moment. And now the Spirit of God lives in us. And now that we are saved, the Bible says we're to live that way. We're to act it out every day of our life, Not just on Sunday, but every day of our lives. Now we're working our way through verses 8 and 9. And I know that we read things here like anger and wrath. A lot of time we think, you know, those are just little sins. You think God has categories of sins? I don't think so. Because all of these sins listed in verse 8 and 9, they will destroy relationships. And God cares about relationships. And so the Bible says that we are to put off the old man in every area of our lives. We're to put off old habits, the same way you would throw out old clothes. We're to get rid of those things that shouldn't be in our lives. So far, we look at anger, we look at wrath, we look at malice, and now in verse 8, we're going to look at blasphemy. Paul says, now, but now, you also put off all these blasphemy what in the world is blasphemy think about that for a moment a lot of people when they think of blasphemy they think about blaspheming God or blaspheming the Holy Spirit and certainly that word blasphemy it means to uh, to vilify it means to speak evil of it means to rail against and it does apply especially to God in certain cases. But any time you study the Scripture, you have to look at the context we're stuttering. And Paul is not speaking about blaspheming God. Because, my friend, you cannot be a Christian and blaspheme God and continue to do that. Paul is speaking about blaspheming one another. So the word blasphemy... The original word in the Greek is used several different ways in the Word of God. It's used sometimes to talk about slander, evil speaking. Titus chapter 3, look at verses 1 and 2. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to do every good work. Notice this, verse 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawler but gentle, Showing all meekness unto all men. How many know that God cares about how we treat each other? Amen. How many know that God takes note about that? And God wants us to treat each other correctly. God wants us to behave in our relationship, not just with Him but also with all people. Now, Paul is giving some instruction to a young preacher, Titus. He says, Titus, you need to remind them. There are folks in government that rule over them, their principality and their power. Remind them to obey them. And the bottom line is this. As Christians, you and I have a tremendous responsibility To live as good citizens. Amen. Live as good citizens so we can influence the unsaved world for Jesus Christ. Jesus came to make a difference. We are to be different from the world. We are not to slander anyone, we're to avoid quarreling. We're to be gentle. We're to to show true humility to everyone. And that's exactly what the Bible expects of us. And don't give me the excuse, that's just the way I am. My friend, Jesus came to change the way we are. He came to give us a new lease on life and a new way to live differently in a wicked world. And I realize as I stand here this morning and I thought about it this week and last week and the week before that. We've been in this series for quite some time. These are worthwhile goals. Without a doubt. But the question I had to ask myself, Lord, do you really not want me to speak evil of no man? Ephesians 4.31. The Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. So if I read what Paul says, I guess, yes, I am not to speak no one evilly. Peter says something about that. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, lay aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. We see it there again. Now, in Titus 3, verse 2, we read earlier, the word there was speak evil. In Ephesians, it was evil speaking. Both words come from the same Greek word we get our word blasphemy from. Don't blaspheme. And what it means literally is we are not to charge falsely. We are not to speak against someone with malicious intent. And we are definitely not to attack someone's good name and reputation. story is told, and I heard it years ago. First mate one day celebrated. I don't know what his birthday or what it was. And he got drunk. And that was not his normal lifestyle. But the captain didn't like him Anyway. And so he wrote in the log that day, first mate so-and-so was drunk today. And the first mate begged him, show me some, you know, I don't normally do that. I shouldn't have done it. But the captain didn't like him. He put it in the log. One day, it just happened, the first mate was in charge of that boat that day. And he put in the log. The captain was sober today. You know what he was doing? He was slandering him. He was slandering him. And so, with, with the understanding that we're not to attack someone's good name, reputation. And that's how we approach this idea of not speaking evil of anyone. A few things about slander. Number one, the Bible doesn't say it's a small sin. The Bible takes slander very, very serious. Leviticus 19.16 You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. I am the Lord. Is that ambiguous? Not at all. Slander includes insulting, abusive speech. It includes uh, disparaging someone, uh, disparaging comments. It includes spreading rumors. You shall not go around as a slanderer. Second of all, that kind of conduct is normal in the unsaved world. Proverbs 11, 9. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. James 4, verse 11 and 12. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, that art not a doer of the law, but a judge." There was one lawgiver who was able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? That's what the unsaved is. The third thing is, among the sins that come from our heart and defiles us, is slander, Jesus says. So Matthew 15, 19 and 20. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and here's our word, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So my question is, does God think blaspheming, slandering other people is a small sin? I don't think so. Those things will defile you. The fourth thing about evil speaking, it comes from hatred. Psalm 41-7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. It comes from hatred. But also, slander tries to elevate ourselves at somebody else's expense. Second Corinthians 12, look at verse 20. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, Hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. And I have a question now. Who's Paul Paul writing to? He's writing to the church. And and Paul says, look, I'm coming. I'm going to show up. And I'm afraid that when I get there, I won't find you as you ought to be. Titus had given Paul word that things were changing at Corinth. But there was something in Titus' report that caused Paul to be apprehensive that the change wasn't going to be complete. And so Paul says, I'm going to come and deal with it. But he also says, I won't find what I want to find. But Paul says, when I get there, you may not see what you want to see either. Because Paul realizes, and he says, I'm afraid that These things were going on there at the church. You were dividing into factions and you're fighting each other. You're quarreling. Uh, There's slander. There's gossip. There's conceit. There's disorder. And Paul says, you're fighting each other. And the process, you're tearing down the church of God, the very temple of God. And the Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. The sixth thing, slander both Old and New Testament, forbid it. Exodus 23, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Our text in verse 8 of Colossians 3. But now put of all these anger, malice, wrath, blasphemy, put the communication out of your the Bible speaks about seven things that God hates, and in those seven things, God hates a false witness. He hates someone who pours out lies." Proverbs 6:19, "A false witness that speak lies, He that so discord among the brethren. And by the way, you know why God hates slander? Because that is exactly a characteristic of the devil. That's what Satan wants to do. And he slanders us. Revelation 12.10 And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So why? Why should we not slander? Why should we not speak evil of anyone? Well, verse the seventh thing is, when we slander someone, whether it's slander, false statements, gossip, it separates friends. It amazes me how our attention is grabbed when someone says, did you hear? Did you know? And by the way, what are they getting ready to do? Spread some gossip. Now, the problem is you didn't know. Or they're hoping you didn't know because they want to tell you. Did you hear? And all of a sudden, our antennas go up. What are we about to learn? The Bible says, the perverse man, Proverbs 16:28, so strife. And a whisper separates the best of friends. But also know this, folks. Slander and gossip always leave deep wounds. Always. Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a tail bear are his wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Have you ever been hurt by words? I know you have. You remember the ditty we used to say as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt them. Is that true? Not at all. Words can cut deep, they can wound deep. And those kind of scars and wounds, if they heal, will take years. And so, guard slander and gossip. Another thing it does, it can break up families and lead to murder. Proverbs 6 and 18. A false witness that speaks lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Part of what God hates, by the way, And how many know those seeds of discord could just be a little bit of time? Before you know it, discord grows. Ezekiel 22, verse 9. If you are men who slander to cause bloodshed, in you are men who slander to cause bloodshed, in you are those who eat on the mountains, in your midst they commit glutton. Anybody here have a tongue? Huh? How sharp is it? Think about it for a moment. Have you ever tried to bite your tongue? And not physically, okay? That's painful. But how often when we got something that we think we need to say, we'd be better off to bite our tongue. Isn't that true? Do you realize how hard it is to control our tongue? Think about that. Yeah. What an awful thing. The things we say And how many know that once you say it, you can't reach out and grab it and put it back in? It's too late. The damage has been done, the wound has been inflicted, and lives are hurt. I don't want you to raise your hand because I have to raise both of mine and my feet. Have you ever said anything you regretted? You said it said anything you wished a million times over, you could take it back. Because in a lot of cases, it hurts someone we love deeply. And the wound is there. And I don't understand why it's so difficult for me. Because the Bible tells me that one of the paths to an enjoyable life is learning to guard your tongue. Think about that. <laughs> Excuse me. First Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 10. For he that will love life. How many love life? And see good days. Who wants to see good days? Boy, I do. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips, that they speak no guile. And i got to tell you, I need the Holy Spirit's help on that. As I do all of these. Evil speaking, slander, anger. I need the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us that the tongue is one of the most destructive members of the human body. In fact, the tongue is one of the most difficult things to tame. James chapter 3, look at verse 6 through 8. The Bible says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it defiles the whole body And setteth on fire the course of nature. Notice this. It is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast. And of birds. And of serpents. And of things in the sea is tamed. And has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. And it's full of deadly poison. Wow. little sin? I don't think so. I don't think so. What we say and how we say it matters to God. And it matters to those around us. James chapter 1 verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridle[s] not his tongue, but deceives his own, deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Did you hear me? Did you hear God? If We do not learn to bridle our tongue. I don't care how high and holy we think we are. doesn't matter how righteous we think we are living. The Bible is clear. If I don't bridle my tongue, I'm deceived. But more than that, all my religion toward God is empty. It's futile. It is worthless. So does God care what we say? You know he does. Matthew 12 verse 36. Jesus said this. But I say unto you. That every idle word. That men shall speak. They shall give account thereof. In the day of judgment. No wonder. I need reminded to control my tongue. I'm still trying to learn this. And so often I get frustrated with myself because I don't think I've come too far. But I'm trying to learn to keep my words sweet. Because I don't know when I have to eat them. And bitter words are hard to swallow. So does the Bible really mean I'm not to speak evil of no man? I mean, isn't that going a little too far? Am I taking it too literal? But this morning we've considered how serious slander is. We've looked at the potential that slander has to ruin lives and to bring ruin on ourselves. And as we think about that, the consequences, I think the answer is yes. We really should not speak evil, slander, blaspheme anyone. Been a while. Maybe since you sang this little ditty, and I'm not going to try to sing it. Just read a part of it. And it goes like this. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. Let's stand together. The Bible says that now that we're saved, we're to put off all these things. Paul said in Romans twelve two, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've worked our way quite a distance in these verses. But none of these are little sins These are things that God will hold us accountable for. And they should not be named in our lives. Father, we love you so much. And we stand here today and we realize we are a needy people. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because, Lord, we do want to be like you. We want to put these things off in our lives. And I pray, God, that we would depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to help us have victory, victorious lives if we walk hand in hand with you. But I pray for those that are lost today, God, whoever they are, wherever they are. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a good example to them by living differently in a wicked world. We love you so much, Lord. Speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.